0: Please join me in the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. What does this mean? This means that I should be certain that these traditions are pleasing to our Father in Heaven and are heard by Him. For He Himself has commanded us to pray in this way and has promised to hear us. Amen. Amen. Yes, 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 and so. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forever. There are many places in scripture that depict the power, the reign, and rule of God, the glory of God. We are privileged today to have opportunity to share one of them in specific terms, for the raising of Lazarus. And to begin with though, I'd like to remind us again where we've been for just a moment. The Lord's Prayer concludes this way because we are calling on God to also invest in us confidence that He is ready to answer this prayer and to do what he has in mind for us to, to see and to experience. He is also ready also to reshape and reinvest himself in our own wills and our own imagination of what should and be happening so that we are fully in alignment with his will. We pray in the first half of the prayer offensively, not not to cause offense, but to be on the offense. We pray that God would do his stuff. We pray that his name would be holy among us and among all people, that his word would be announced faithfully and that people would come to know his promises, that true words about the Lord Jesus Christ would be spread throughout all the world, That the scriptures would be manifested and that they would be open doors for people to come to know and to appreciate and to fall in love with Jesus. That all his will would be done, just as it's done from heaven with the angels on earth among us here. Now, that there would be no separation between what God would do and what actually happens. We pray that his kingdom would reach out into all the corners of the world so that his kingdom of hearts and minds would multiply, that people would not only come to know him, but to come to follow him as well. Those are the offense prayers. In the midst of getting all of that work done, we pray that the Lord will take care of our physical needs, that there are Well, actual things that we need in this life. We are created beings, creaturely beings that are dependent on our God for all good things. Every good and perfect gift coming down from the Father of life. And so we pray that good weather, good government, good pious neighbors, good families would be continually raised up around us so that all of our Needs both physically and socially, mentally and spiritually will be taken care of. That there is constant infrastructure supporting life around us from the sun shining on the fields to the trucks that move across the highways of the world to bring that produce to all the places it needs to go. So that there is safety, security, the rule of law and all the things that keep us able to continue to work in the world, in peace and productively. To bring creative and beautiful things to bear out of God's good world, to partner with Him in that way. But then there is also evil that needs to be addressed. So we, first of all, pray for God to do all of His good stuff and we pray that He would not only take care of us in terms of spirit and soul, but also in terms of body. But then the prayers of protection come in. the, the defense prayers come in. Forgiveness of sins, rescue from death and the devil and 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 uh, doing away, with deliverance from all evil. Forgiveness and and protection from temptation. All of these are the, the defensive prayers that keep us in the faith and not joining in with The evil that is already present in the world through those who do not know Christ and also from even the demonic that tries to subvert his word, that we be faithful unto death all the way through. Now we come to this conclusion that recognizes all of those things, the the offense, the care, and now the defense, that all of those things would be on the Lord's agenda and that we would be part of the work that he does, not just bystanders or not just in the stands, but on the field, actually running the plays with him, that taking his direction as our quarterback, that we're running in alignment with all the things that he would have done in his good world this way, until he comes again. Now, we trust that all of that is happening, even when We wonder whether the answers that our prayers go up, whether those answers are coming in the same way that we expect them to come. God answers every prayer, especially the one that here he gives us to pray. Sometimes we're looking for a particular kind of answer, and so sometimes we miss God's answer. Or sometimes he answers it in a way that we're not expecting because he has a different idea. But in all those cases, he wants us to transparently and as his dear children come to him as an act of faith, as an act of worship, as an act of recognizing that he's the one in charge. We are not to humbly pray in line with the first commandment and also his own invitation from the son Jesus Christ to bring these words to him. We trust not only that he is powerful to act and to do these things, but that he is compassionate to do them even in our own best interests, and in the best interests of the world around us, as he calls us to bear witness to Christ. One of the ways that we do that is in the midst of our suffering as well, as the sufferings of our own bodies, the sufferings of the world and the other things around us engage us, it focuses our attention, focuses our attention on Christ, and gives the world outside a true picture of God's care, comfort, and compassion, as well as his power, as our faith is strengthened even while our bodies degenerate in the course of visitation with folks at hospitals these last couple of weeks leading to these next these two deaths that we will be remembering over the course of this week it is a wonder and my own thought that we don't have martyrs in the same way as we did in the first century of christianity the first century of christianity we had the state actually going after Christians and putting them up on poles and lighting fires and throwing them in front of wild animals and all of those kinds of things. But the benefit to the church of all of those things was to see the faithfulness that God's Holy Spirit worked in those disciples of Jesus so that the church could be strengthened to know that as I meet my death, the Lord is still with me, carrying me over that threshold because he knows resurrection is on the way. And that testimony, that bearing witness to the truth of the resurrection of Jesus, was so significant for the growth of the church. Today, those things don't happen that way. But as people's lives continue to extend, and as they go into nursing homes and as they go into hospitals and they go into places where death is so prevalent, they continue to bear witness to Jesus Christ. They continue to offer up their prayers. They continue to celebrate and rejoice in their baptisms. They continue to receive the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins and for the promise of, of Jesus' own gift of resurrection of the body in preparation for their deaths. They take hold of all the tools available to the child of God in word and sacrament to proclaim and to announce the future hope that comes because of Easter. Jesus rose from the dead. And martyrdom continues to be a spiritual gift as Christians meet their ends in the witness that they have learned from little on up, that the word of God is continuing to be living and active in them to proclaim to family and to friends and to proclaim to hospital and nursing home workers, doctors and nurses who may or may not have a faith like theirs and to share with them their Christian hope based on the work of Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. Jesus reigns. It is his kingdom in which we live. We are citizens of the United States, just as Christians in Canada are citizens of Canada, or Christians in China are citizens of China. But our first allegiance is to the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's under his banner that we live eternally. And it is his gift of life that motivates and and moves us forward. It is his continuing rule and reign that he comes on a day like this. To announce that your sins are forgiven. To announce that his words continue to be true generation upon generation and that his resurrection is still the down payment for your resurrection. That is your future hope. That is how he is reigning from the throne of heaven right now, so that you might be comforted in the midst of your sufferings, and in the midst of sin and death and the temptations of hell even now, but that you are held in his hand, Now, no one can pluck you out of it. That is how his kingdom is extended and how he exercises his authority, by his word. It's the same way he's done it from the very beginning. Let there be light, and now let there be light for you. All of these things are Jesus speaking so that you are part of his kingdom. Jesus reigns. He has all ultimate power and authority. Just as he said after his resurrection, as he commissioned his disciples, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, as you go, your making of disciples is actually my making of disciples. So Jesus, who you've always known, will be there with you in all of his authority and power by his word. Now, his miracles across the board demonstrate that power, from feeding the 5,000, to walking on water, to giving sight to the blind, to raising up those even who have died. Across the board, Jesus demonstrates that he has the power and authority to do all things. And as he shows his own way of going about exercising his power, he demonstrates his compassion. Not only is he authoritative to do these things, but he is compassionate to respond exactly as the world needs, and exactly as the people around us need, and exactly as we need. He is the one exercising authority. He is the one who is running the show and the power of the kingdom. There's all kinds of folks who imagine that they're in charge. Jesus is in charge. And he's not a different Jesus the one than the one you fell in love with when you read your first storybook, Bible storybook. He's the same Jesus. He didn't become some other monster Jesus when he went up to ascend into heaven. He's still the one who comes out and touches lepers. He's still the one who opens the eyes of people's hearts and minds. He's still the one who goes out and says, come, follow me. He's still the one who's going to raise the dead. On the day he has determined, and it's him that carries the glory of God. What is the glory of God? Well, I would say it's at least two things. First of all, it's God showing forth, manifesting for all of us to actually see the things about God that otherwise we can't. We don't see God's holiness, we don't see God's justice. We don't see God's compassion. We don't see all of those characteristics about God that we know are true from the scriptures. But the glory of God is when he puts it out there for us to see and to experience ourselves. Everything from first up, when Abraham was hearing the Lord speak to him promises, or the burning bush where Moses interacts with God in the flesh, where he can see all the things that God wants him to do—the the appearance of God in the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud—as He brings His people compassionately and powerfully through their wanderings until finally He lays out for them the land in which He will be present for them as a a new Eden to be and under be under His care. But now Jesus is on the scene in the New Testament. And every time he shares with his disciples and for those who are on the fringe of faith, and even for his enemies, the things that demonstrate his kingdom and his power, the glory of God is put on display. His love, his compassion, his authority, his justice, his forgiveness, his love, are all made manifested so that people can see in real time and in full living color, Lazarus coming out of the tomb. (laughs) The the text is one of those most ironic of all texts. The dead man came forth. Well, he wasn't dead anymore. (laughs) He didn't come up as a dead man anymore, but that's what John wrote. What ironic statement it is. Lazarus, the man who had died, comes forth as a preview of coming attractions. Because our Lord Jesus, the very next weekend following him, is going to rise and settle. As this entire story ramps up over the course of these days, these folks come and see what Jesus is truly capable of even beyond the signs that he has shared so far, turning water into wine and healing a man at the pool of Bethsaida and opening the eyes of a blind man, even healing people who aren't even present. But just because he speaks the word and sends their relatives back home to check on them, that they are healed. But now a man dead, four days, rises from the dead. Jesus has authority. It is his kingdom that is in charge. It is his power that is put on display and active in the world for our sakes. And all of these things put the glory of God in front of us so that we can embrace a God who answers these prayers. Knowing full well the the, the, the deposit of promise at the resurrection of the body, when all of this is pointing to So even as we make our way towards our own physical death, we know, because Jesus says so, that is not the final word. I am the resurrection and the life, says the Lord. He who believes in me will never die. He who believes in me is in my care, under my authority, a member of my kingdom. And I am pleased Raise all things together for the good of my new creation. It is a pleasure not only to know you now, but to look forward to knowing you around the Lamb's throng forever. Because this same Jesus who called Lazarus out of the grave is preparing to call all of us to his side, the resurrection of the body the life everlasting, just as we confess every single so that the world can hear, and so that our hearts can be comforted. Amen. The peace of God that passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in faith, towards Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.